is booing them down, though. Coming for the withering run, the grey. Military mission over the top is going to race away. And military mission has won the zipping Baby, you will never be lost on me. 7 to excel headed for home. Now on PG Podcast Network, it's time for the year-round carnival with Vince Accardi and your host, Racetrack Rolfie. G'day, thanks so much for checking out our year-round carnival podcast. Look, after last week's terrible music intro, which was all by fault, uh, we, just, we just thought we'd bring something with a year two in front of it. Uh, bit, of, bit of Ed Sheeran's work there with the Overpass Graffiti Overpass. What a star audio there, courtesy of course of Racing.com and Sky Racing. Vince Accardi from Daily Sexuals. Good morning to you, my friend. Hey, top of the morning, Ralphie. Oh, look, I'm, I'm sure you're happy. I'm just getting a member's letter here. We always ask our members if they want to send us an email. No question, just a big thank you, Vince. Bought his race speed profiles for Ascot yesterday before heading to the track. Don't think you can get any more on the money. We've got six of eight trifectas starting for race two. Back to heap of winners, including EPC. That was about 20 to 1, wasn't it? Yes. Oh, Ralphie, I have to say I got a few emails. There would have been some early Christmas bags of money. <laughs> very, very nice. Now, uh, and here's the advantage of uh, covering a few different states, Fids. Yes. Caulfield, rain. Rosehill, rain. Ascot, perfect service. Ralphie, myself as a person on a personal I only participated in Western Australia, so I was so grateful. But where's this rain come? We're, we're in December, guys. What's going on? <laughs> That's it. All right. Well, this week we are going to do a preview podcast again, the Northerly Meeting. So there's some really good horses going about and meeting with good depth. And we're going to do as a bonus, just audio only, if you want the race speed profiles, of course, you have to go to daily sections, but audio only, the Ingham, big $2 million mile, the old Villiers. So we'll do that as well. So if you want the preview podcast, go to my website, racehackralphie.com.au. Okay, Vince, overpass, sometimes they just they just put a big big uh, ribbon on top of a on top of a uh, gift box, and they said, "Here you go. We're, we're putting a three in front of the odds of overpass. Crazy, wasn't it? Well, it had to be crazy, realistically. <laughs> Seriously, Ralphie. I mean, I don't know what happens sometimes, and I still don't know why. What, like, why would they allow a price like that? Uh, I'm, I'm Try to work out. I spoke to uh, – I do Perth Radio on, uh, on Sunday yes. morning. One of the boys there, Marty, great fella who knows his racing, said, look, I just wasn't sure about, you know, if there was high pressure early and then they walked early. So I suppose that's not a bad starting point with you because even though, of course, you were you were all over it, uh, you did think there would be high pressure, but it now that the OVR data's come through, it, it wasn't the case. No, it wasn't the case at all. I, I, I get that. Pace, 2.7 lengths below benchmark first section. That's very slow for a Group 1 Perth Myers sprint. For for that, yes. Correct. Usually we've seen on plenty of occasions these high-level races, they're generally running plus fours and fives. But here's the thing. Who was going to go out and plus run plus four or five in the end? I mean, I, I was expecting a faster pace than that. But then it was it was on. It was pretty much on from that point onwards. Good speed in the mid-race. What, what 
the the average speed of the field was 2.6, Ralphie. So what's that? An increase of pace on average of around five lengths. Yep. And then it was obviously sustained over the last 400. Overpass in particular has run 3.6 above benchmark. Yeah, it was gifted to him in the end, correct? Yes, it was. And when I seen Oscar Fortunes run second, I said, how bad's the rest? (laughs) I mean, I've got a good feeling for that horse, Oscar Fortune. I didn't feel it would be up to this level at all. You know, like, not now. I I was expecting better performances maybe from a couple of other runs. But the reality was, yeah, maybe Overpass should have started threes on. Well, I know you would have been wrapped watching it in the run because we like well, – neither of us have ever ridden a horse, Fids, so certainly not in a race, but, uh, but we like seeing jockeys use their brains. And Josh Parr on the leader, who gets the lead on his terms, then goes into the in, – in front, goes into the best part of the track. Well, I'm so happy that he did that. That was beautiful. He said it, that he was watching all the races all day and he just noticed everybody going to the middle of the track. I wasn't sure if he did that or he listened to the, the communication I gave in Sydney. I said Because I said, all Josh has to do is make sure that if he's got any cover that he gets into the middle of the track. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, that's exactly that's exactly what he do, did. Now, of course, he won the Quokka uh, in April, the big uh, – how much was it worth again? $4 million, dear mate. Wow. How good is that prize? But he, 3.6 lengths above benchmark. What did he do on Sunday? 2.5 above, Ralphie, in the end. That was a very solid performance. Well, that ended up being the best of the day from all runners. So yeah, that's that's in line with his 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 typical profile. If we have a look at what he's done in recent times, Ramwick he's gone one point eight above the start before. It's two starts back at Ramwick as well. It was two point eight. So his his performance was uh behind what he did at Ascot, but definitely in line with what he's been doing recently. Well, well, there you go. There's actually a good example of what we're talking about, about the typical race shape of a fast Ascot run. Uh, yep. That day, he led going 4.3 lengths above benchmark. So really here, his first 400 metres, and this is on the clock, there's no opinion here. This no. is the first 400 metres is what, seven lengths slower? Yeah. And this is why <laughs> he was so explosive in the end. Yeah. Interesting stuff from uh, Bjorn Baker. I put it out last night on Twitter, actually. Um, they did a terrific, I think Julio did it, uh, uh, did a terrific in-depth interview with him post-race. This is one thing I like comparing the data with sometimes the traders feel. And, you know, we, we never stray to the realm of a horseman, but there are measurements that actually say, well, sometimes you, you miss what happened. Now, with Overpass first up, you know, this is what we wrote in Sizzlers, terrific sprinter, he ran better than his usual, plus two resuming profile, but below what he did last prep when first up was obviously screwed right down to win the Cocker with two, 3.6 lengths above benchmark. There went 4.3 first section here, minus 1.3, so Cruzier, 3.1, sorry, minus 3.1 in the mid-race. Now, I went on to as a scribe more, but here's the, that's the real point here. Minus 3.1, the mid-race first up, yet in the Everest, what do you have to do in the mid-race there? That was on, uh, what was the date of the Everest? Yeah, so that was the uh, the 14th of uh, the 10th. 5.4 above. So in that mid, from the 800 metres to the 400 metres, he's had to go seven lengths faster. No wonder he had no finish. <laughs> yeah, no, I know they, they were saying they're trying to work out they, re- they felt that the horse wasn't itself, of course, of course, because yeah. that's the fastest the horse has ever gone in its life in the mid-race, Ralphie. And if, you do, if you're on pace, <laughs> yeah, good luck. You're going to get very tired doing that. <laughs> and this is what happens. Every 
Well, most horses have some level of kryptonite if you can work out like what what is their weakness. And in this case, that overextension in the mid race and it was and it was a huge extension under a lot of pressure that gave way. Yeah. And then also, I just will peel that back and just mention one more time because we like, like saying it, particularly in our preview podcast, traders intend to such a powerful tool because in the quokka, he's, he's going to go better in a quokka than he's going to go first up when the Everest or, or the winner bottoms his goal. The quokka was his goal first up. So you've got to always ask yourself as a form student, what's the trainer want to do here? Yeah, that's true. So what happens with a horse like this now, Ralphie? Where does it go now? Is that the end of the... The, the, the campaign or something? Well, he, he, he was suspecting there was – there's an option there to stay for two weeks of 1,400. So Okay, 1,400. He, he, he's saying probably not, but just, just so that we ask it, what, what would be your thoughts at 1,400 for this horse now? Wow, okay. I never thought about that. So really, 1,400 metres. He's probably got out of if, – if, if they're going to try it, this is the perfect race shape to try it off, isn't it? Because of, you know, yeah, lack, it is. lack of intent early. Uh, sorry, lack of heat early. Well, the key is going to be this. It's just going to all – if he gets that sort of race shape that he got yeah. on the weekend as an example where he can sort of breathe beautifully through the first 600 metres over, over 1,400 metres, then he would be a chance of getting a strong 1,400. So ultimately, though, he said he just wants to, you know, make sure that whatever he chooses to do, whether he runs in two weeks or spells now, that he's back for the cocker. So that but says – because that's not middle- months, is it? What's that? That's not for months, though, is it? No, it's not. Uh, and the, what what the announcement was during the week was that Amelia's Jewel is going to run there first up as well. So we get to see the rematch of uh, him versus Amelia's Jewel at, uh, at 1,200. Uh, so that, that'll be a sensational race just for those two with it, no matter who else is. Well, the good thing is we'll get a good price Amelia's Jewel. So let me ask you, you that says that you think Amelia's Jewel is a much better horse. Than, I, yeah, it's, it's, it's clearly a superior horse. I mean, I, I'm not saying overpass isn't, but it's unlikely that it's going to extend itself any further. We know this horse sits very squarely in that sort of at the top end. Yep. It it could touch that 3.6, right, but believe it can go beyond that. I feel that's definitely a sub four horse. That's how I position it. And Amelia's Jewel, just on a, a fair day, should turn up and run high threes. And on a great day, just like there'll be big gaps to the rest. <laughs> All right, something to look forward to there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. See, younger, younger lass uh, actually, uh, actually was, was something that um, was a bit breathtaking to watch. Before I ask you about younger lass, a number of horses were, were dynamic down the outside. So just, just if you get back over both what you saw on the day and what you've always said about Perth, super. Lo- Super wide is a super advantage. Well, it is, Ralphie. It always has been. It's very much like Flemington, but just with a little bit more ferocity in that home straight. The lanes kick in pretty much from lane 10 onwards. You're into the lanes, and the wider you get, the faster you get. Like, I have scored horses. When you're out, let's say, lane 20, where Younger Lass was 19, right? There was a there was a run at that. ECP was in 21, right? Yeah. When you get up around that 20 mark, against the horses closest to the fence, you got three lengths on them. Yeah, and we saw that last year in the winter bottom with Paul Lely, and that, that's, it's just a it's just a fundamental. The lanes don't move, but that's got either bits. <laughs> no, and, and what's really crazy is this. When I look at the pattern of the day, horses like Younger Lass did come from an eye personally believe a non-winning position but the lanes won at the race eight and a half lengths off the pace at the eight and a half 
at the 800 meter mark is pretty tough for Alfie to do and got up and and was victory. There was also another great performance maybe we'll touch on in race four. That came from six and a half lengths. And then the last race, Saloon Bar. I mean, impossible position. Well, when I say impossible, it bloody looked impossible from the, the vision. Seven and a half off the speed at the 800. So younger less, we wrote uh, minus 0.3 links below benchmark, ranked fifth in the day. This was two weeks earlier when it won at uh, at, uh, at Ascot in race three. Came off a best of the day win at Northern, bolting in wearing blinkers first time, cruising home, third best last 400 and 200 of the day. He got out of severe traffic early, clearly could could have done more than a narrow win with a clear air sooner. Minus 6.7800, mid-race, excellent squeeze of nearly 10 lengths. Last 400 was 5.2. The last 200 in isolation, 3.8, which was the sixth best of the day. Should have no problems with extending from this, both distance and class-wise, with ordinary luck going forward. So, Troy, uh, sorry, uh, Alice asked, wonder if Vince checked out the winner, Yonger last race two, Ascot. Classic Pike, last to, last to first, whirlwind finish, looked amazing. So what did it actually do in the clock? Yeah, well, th- this was a, a great performance, Ralphie. Firstly, you have a look at the speed early. 5.9 lengths below benchmark through the first section. Uh, well, that's probably in line with the horse's profile, right, in terms of early speed. I'm just looking at the last four or five runs, with the exception of one run, this horse has a tendency to run four lengths below benchmark or slower. The mid-race move, though, that was pretty captivating, Ralphie. It was a nine-length mid-race squeeze. So between the eight and the four, it's gone 3.1 above, nine lengths faster than standard. But then the explosion in the last 400, plus 6.3. And the majority of it was over the last 200 with a plus 4.9. Pretty hot in terms of uh, overall performance. Got into the top 10. And it's interesting, Ralphie, like on the adjusted IVRs, when I look at the, the racing analytics platform, the, the last two runs were just marginally below benchmark. But then when you put the stress tester on it, well, that's what I call it anyway, the matrix, <sighs> Ralphie, 0.4 above on the matrix at its leading run on the 18th, that's 0.4 above, and then 0.3 the start before it, at Northern. I have to say, Ralphie, I just got to say, because... I just feel for myself, it's one of these weird weird things, if I can just ramble for a minute. <laughs> With the race matrix, it was something that I developed a number of years ago. And then when we put it into play in more recent times over the last couple of years, I never really worked with it that intently other than looking at the odd run here and there. But now just the way uh, David Vitale sort of restructured it for me so I can actually see it at the front of the form, I've been able and get him to put those numbers in when you click on the race to see what the actual matrix is showing. It's been, I reckon it's it's a complete game changer for me as on an individual level. And what it does, it gives me that absolute clarity on the trend. Yep. Are we trending in a particular direction or not? And one of the biggest things that I've always had difficulty with myself, and this is, I guess, to some extent, a similar horse. How many times have you know we've had discussions about horses and we see a scenario where they're winning, but I, I can't get them above benchmark in terms of performances. I just can't get them there. And yet when I look at the matrix, because the matrix looks at all the runners that comes out of that particular races and back, profiles there if they're up to six leading runs you start to get a real picture and then I started looking at some of these horses 
and then I look at them and go, oh goodness me, they're actually on the on the stress test. They're always above benchmark and not below. And using it, and this is the whole process of life, is then actually getting in there and getting in the octagon and using it to see whether it actually delivers. I'm finding it like on on the weekend at Perth, I use it extensively. And it paid dividends in spades. That's all so, I can say. So it's sort of, um, uh, I, I, I hate to use the phrase dumbing down, but to, to dumb down what, what it's actually doing, it, it, it's saying that what the true merits of runs really are as opposed to just an overall picture. Is that right? What I, yeah, that's right. Because in on that day, you do your performance work. And I've always said this on a number of occasions. The hardest thing that I've found in my journey is actually not finding the winner. Look, on any given day, you can be wrong. It can happen, but over the long period of time, generally speaking, we find more winners than not. So that's not the hard part. Yes, psychologically, it's difficult to make decisions about how you bet and if you're going to go with one horse or the other. They're challenging, but the hardest thing is the adjustments. It's so difficult, Rafi. It's the hardest thing I've ever done in my life, and I practice it extensively. I do... Oh, what do we do? We, we usually have, what, 40-plus meetings a week? Yep. And I'm adjusting 40-plus meetings a week, right? So that's a lot of adjustments, and it's tough. It's very, very difficult. But what, and, of course, adjustments are for track speed. Uh, yeah. Very that, slow, very fast, etc. That's it. Track speed, slowdowns, yep. ground conditions. It's, it's, it's difficult, right? So you put a figure in. You've always got the raw. Now, the raw's a pillar within itself, but you've got to be you know, careful with the raw because if you just use the raw, you can also get yourself into a lot of trouble because just because a horse runs a fast time on a given day, that doesn't necessarily mean they're the best horse. They might have been the best horse on that day, but yeah. when you put all the adjustments in and you have to compare from everywhere else into the future, it might not equal that. But this race matrix, when it looks at the continuation of their last six runs because it's it's a moving cycle that never stops, Ralphie, right? It's continuous. So it's always moving. And what happens is you get a far bigger insight on what happens because you're probably looking now, if there's an average of, say, 10 horses in a race and then you're going back. So you are looking at 60 independent run lines that will spit out a different figure and it will give you a more realistic view of what is what's happened with that run and how it's actually trending. And then, of course, there's still challenges. There are situations where they're lightly raced and the Matrix can only see one or two runs and you can't go all the way back to six. And this is like, now you've got to try and stress test the Matrix, right? <laughs> so Evol- it's, evolving journey of learning, Vince. It, it's so exciting. And I'm personally, myself, saying I'm so happy to be around to do this because... That's what it's all about. You know, I'm a purist in this game of sectionals, and it's fantastic. Nice. Well, you said you wanted to speak about the race forward, Destiny. So to the to the uh, data, two things. One, obviously, much stronger mid-race than, uh, than Demolish runner-up, but perhaps also it, it was rock-hard fit, and Demolish probably peaks on its run uh, due, to, uh, due to only being third up. Uh, yes, that that's correct, Ralphie. If we're looking at it purely from that scenario you're 100 percent correct ralphie firstly we just got to look at that last run though wasn't it a fantastic run from Desna? i mean i was surprised that this was another horse that they gave a reasonably good price for but 
here's the situation. The leader has gone out benchmark through the first section, 1,800 metres. But the extension in the mid-race was amazing. Like, they, everybody had to hammer between the 8 and the 400. And usually, when you have a high movement in the mid-race, so the actual field speed average was around four and a half lengths above benchmark. Therefore, we had probably an increase in speed of anywhere between seven and 12 lengths. And you can see the winner has had to make a 12.8 length mid-race squeeze. It's pretty... It's pretty high under this sort of circumstance. And then it was the only horse that broke benchmark over the last 400 metres. So that probably impacted a number of runners, I felt, that mid-race. It just really hurt a lot of horses. They couldn't cope. So it, it was good again. Uh, in the uh, what, what are we going to, let, Let's ask you about EPC. How did you find it at $20 in your most advantage? Ah, yes, yes. Well, it did it let down. See, see, here's the thing. If you remember, Ralphie, we might have just briefly touched on it. I was really disappointed with myself last week in the sense that there were a couple of horses that I wanted to – well, I was – arguing with myself, right? I was having that fight internally about put it in to the MA, don't put it in, put it in. And they both ended up winning, right? Now, even though one of the two busted, I probably wasn't sitting there saying it's going to win, yeah. but I thought it was a chance of getting in the top four because I'm always conscious when I do the top four. It's all about, I have a lot of feedback, Ralph, and a lot of people like doing multis. So I'm always looking for that runner who could possibly, you know, be the trip up and get in that, top four, right? Because yeah. a, a lot of people take the multis around that. So this was one of these horses, right? And what I noticed with myself this week, and it's, it's adjustments, right? One week in, two weeks in, you tune yourself up. So I said, I won't be making those mistakes. If I have the instinct and I see them, they're going in. And this was one of those horses, Ralphie, that had that profile and, of course, getting down to the nitty-gritties, how do you put it in? That was in what race nice, nine, wasn't it? No, no, it was in, uh, was, in, in race six. Uh, race six, sorry. Yeah, here we go, race six. Uh, let me the just see. Brano Bell and San Fabrizio. Okay, well, there was a couple of runs that caught my eye. Firstly, there was the performance back in February because this horse was off a long break, right? Yeah. I noticed that this horse can go very well fresh. And I also felt that the stable had made a very, very decisive move going first up 400, which I thought was a lot better than starting off their campaign at 1,200 metres. And this would give this horse a really good opportunity of running dynamically. That that's And that's why I kept it in. Yep. So that's, it's uh, it's let down with the second best last 200 of the day. So what you saw to your eye was actually real. That was a genuine good class closing sprint. And you had a race where you didn't have to break benchmark to be effective. Now, whilst I sort of ramble on a lot about Ike, I just like to be with horses that are above benchmark, but there are many races where you actually don't have a base platform of benchmark or better. They usually you have to run one or two below benchmark to be competitive. Well, the Parnham Stable continued their hot run the, in the next race, the Lestier Investment Strategy. And, and again, this is one where the eye actually told you the truth. Uh, it looked like it copped a bit of a slowdown there on the home turn. And really, it was only clear in the last 200. So that's why it was so strong. But usually, as an over, over uh, and this is a very generalised rule, but on a quick backup, if you've got a rock hard fit horse, he's got a better chance of being able to, uh, to overcome some flatness there, a slowdown in the run. 
Oh, Ralphie, I was so confident with this horse. Yeah. <laughs> I was so confident this horse was going to take a power of beating. And it's very interesting because I, I like to listen to these guys in Western Australia because I don't follow it very often. It is just, just interesting how everybody talks about various horses. But the reality is this was a definitely an illusion and you led to the correct area, Ralphie. All the other horses, including Generosity they looked better than what they really did against this horse because of that slowdown in the mid-race. It's not good when you have a this type of setup because 1.6 on the day when you compare all things, that's a reasonably good pace for the way the track was playing. And then to have that slowdown, which pretty much took effect all the way until you got to the 200-metre mark, Ralphie. He was following the wrong horses. <laughs> yep, yep. And that was could have easily... On any other day, cost you victory. Yep. Yet the horse was still able to overpower and win, and that was probably a testament to where the horse is at. But ultimately, the horse did run to its number of around 0.5. What I'm happy about is that there's probably a little bit more to come, which is great to see that maybe this horse can take another step. And, and it, I'll just sort of sit back here. If any people are out there trying to buy horses, this is probably the sort of horse you'd probably look at trying to buy okay interesting one for over here uh baby paris won the eighth uh, the uh, the jungle dawn uh talk about a pr in front we, we spoke about overpass earlier on a different class but same dynamic <laughs> it was like rusty dreams was it sort of unlucky on race shape wow <laughs> wow wow well that, firstly i mean you usually got no hope off this race shape right yeah. Have a look at it. Talk about high extension in the mid. We were talking about the other race having some big moves, but Baby Paris going th three lengths below benchmark first section. Then what was it? Nine point four length mid race squeeze. But here's the thing: when I look at the field speed average, which is around seven and a half above benchmark, and I look at the first section of the field speed average is around seven. That means the move in the mid race is almost two and a half seconds, and that just completely cooks most horses. Once you've had to exert so much energy, what have you got left? So there were uh, some surprises with a couple of horses that still had uh, solid finishes, but they were never going to be able to beat Baby Paris because it was ridden, in my view, to perfection. And if you have a look at those closing last 400-metre splits between the 8 and the 200, 0.2 below benchmark, 0.6 below over the last 200 metres. And if I back it up a little bit further, it was all to do with this. 8 to the 6, 3.8 above, 6 to the 4, 2.5. Gradual depletion of energy. And then you've seen a pretty sharp drop-off because of that high extension. And realistically, it was still doing more work than all the other runners through the first 600 metres. But the ride, man, it was sensational. Yeah, 70th best last 200 of the day. Rusty Dreams, the fifth best. Good luck cashing that ticket. You're still lost. <laughs> yeah, well, you, you're not going to win under that scenario, are you? Not at all. So you mentioned this last race winner. I just want to say one thing, though. If you've actually bar and you had him on top of the uh, in the race speed profiles, you want to be sending a carrot to Street Parade because I've never – it's very rare you see a horse turn it up like <laughs> – <laughs> Stevie Barnum did everything. The horse just did not want to keep going. It was hilarious. So uh, well played there. Well, a few things. Number yeah. one, if you remember when we did the podcast. Yes. Saloon Bar, what was my negative? The rider. 
That was I just go the problem's the rider. That you know, I'm not saying he's a bad rider, but I just didn't have any faith in him. Yeah, I didn't have any faith in him, right? But then they had the switch in the rider. I go, well and you have a look at that run. (laughs) I said the rider, but the rider kills it that day. He he didn't even think. The rider never thought for a second. He stayed where he was. What was he thinking? There was just going to be the Moses parting of the ways in the home straight. We just let you through. No, they're going to jam up. And then what? You're trying to find a run for 400 meters. Forget it, right? You should yeah. have been thinking at the 800 meter mark. How do I get out of that spot so I can be dynamic? <laughs> now, mind you. Whilst we had a better scenario in rider trains, he almost killed himself as well, right? <laughs> Because he did go, he, he definitely went to the right part of the track. But my goodness, what it took him to get there, right? Yeah. And performance-wise, firstly, street parade, two point two lengths above benchmark first section, increase in pace between the eight and the four to go four point eight above, and then the savage drop off, which was really over the last two hundred meters, Ralph. Because the horse what? didn't want to go. <laughs> <It was laughs> just, send, him, send him a carrot if you're on Zillow Bar. Send him, send him, send him a mint and a carrot and a pat. <laughs> oh my God! The, the, I, I forgot horses like carrots. <laughs> That's it. That's what I meant. Just, yeah. just say thank you. You helped. <laughs> well, definitely, no question about that. And what do you do when you see this type of scenario? I mean, the horse was definitely fit enough for it, right, Ralphie? But one of the things with this horse is, it's really interesting. He's had a habit of doing that when he's had to run with speed through the first section, right? And in this case. He did, right? 2.2 lengths above benchmark. Have a look at his profile, right? Yes, it was in line with what he's done over the last two starts, right? But then in the mid-race, if you look at that Ascot runner, went 2.1 above first section, 3.2 above between the eight and the four. And here, it's actually had to increase the pace even further. It's pretty much matched the early speed, but that extra length and a half between the eight and the 400 when comparing to the last run, unfortunately was just a little bit too much. And it's when I see these horses with this sort of pattern, I actually don't mind them, Ralphie, right? Because hopefully they might go something, well, I don't know, maybe there is no weaker races in the coming weeks, right? But sometimes these sort of horses, they just go one step down and you just make a lot of money because they'll go into a race where there's no pace. Yep. And they'll, and they'll be, get caught. Yeah, and they'll be just jog trotting. And there'll be big explosions late. A bit like the old boy Jungle Edge. See the photo I sent you, Vince, of Jungle Edge? Yeah, I, I love that. I go, Ralphie, you actually look like a trainer. I go, you, you plan on getting your licence? So, so that was at the uh, at the Equine Pathways. Uh, a friend of mine, Warren Moore, runs it. And they, uh, they oh. do amazing work with with disabled riders. And uh, Jungle Edge, who won 18 races, I looked it up on wet tracks. Uh, he's now he's now one of their horses. So they, they do amazing work there. So I went out and saw him yesterday. So a bit of a shout-out to the Equine Pathways people. And if the luck was kind, I want to uh, consider throwing him a dollar or two amongst uh, you as, a, as our valued listener. Uh, uh, speaking of valued, our valued Group 1 members will get some horses to follow that we saw from Caulfield and Rose Hill. That'll be our Group 1 members' bonus this week. But in the meantime, thanks so much for listening. Year out, Carnival.